Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, how's your summer holidays going so far? Oh, I'm loving this summer vibe. I'm absolutely loving it. And uh, with our second episode in our six-part summer school series, designed for anyone and everyone to be able to top up their skills, (laughs) (laughs) learn while you tan or stuck in traffic or trying to keep cool or trying to warm up, depending on which hemisphere you're listening to. Because, of course, summer is a time where we typically down tools, have a, a, a moment to ourselves to kind of refresh and reset and get set up for the season ahead. Mm, they, yeah, we do. And it's that time where we think about um, the relationships, the people that are around us and what we're going to do, that whole bit around who am I, what am I doing, that whole self-awareness piece and looking at, you know, how do we create, I suppose, those relationships that are going to thrive and stand the test of time. Great time of year. Absolutely. So we're in our growth series, G-R-O-W-T-H. G stood for growth mindset, which I guess is a kind of a general life approach, isn't yeah, it? And, it is. you know, we happen to bring a bit of a professional spin to it, but it's quite a generic kind of a general life principle. R is for relationships and we're going to bring a real kind of professional workplace focus in on this. And of course, the relationships in our life are kind of have universal impact on our enjoyment and our experience of life. But we're going to bring a real kind of professional um, uh, focus to this in terms of the, the relationships and what that then means for our skills and our kind of overall feelings of success in the years ahead. Um, because Debs, it's people leave people, not jobs. Oh, my God. It? They really do. They might have the best job in the world, but if they've got horrible people around them, they're definitely not going to stick around and people do leave. And we've seen them, right? We've seen them go onto pastures new, off into the horizon for something else and because the people around them are just not good and they're not healthy for them. So they make the choice and go which is the right thing to do, I think. Absolutely. The amount of times I've heard a phrase uh, in the last kind of, uh, you know, year or so, which is life is too short to dot, dot, dot. And often it's followed with, you know, work with people like this. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or be kind of stuck feeling like you're just with people that for whatever reason, you know, they're never going to want you to bring out your best or they don't work in a way that brings out your best. So let's have a focus on some key practical takeaways, thinking about how we can maximise the relationships in our life. So, law, the first thing I think we need to consider in that is the work of Daniel Goleman. And he talks about emotional intelligence. And we love to frame it to say, how intelligent are you emotionally? So, what does that even mean? So, there are sort of four key areas that we have to consider. So, first one is always around our self awareness. That is, for me, that underpins everything about the impact you have on people and the relationships you will, you build with people because you have to know yourself. You've got to know yourself really well. You've got to know what you're good at. You've got to know what you're maybe not so good at. You've got to look at what 
pushes your buttons, what doesn't. You've got to understand who you are and what you can bring. So he talks about that in that self-awareness piece. That's the first quadrant. Everything's in a quadrant, right, when it comes to things like this. But when we're thinking about who am I, it's really taking the time to think about your strengths, as you say, what you bring, your unique skills, talents and qualities, and also knowing the things that you will or won't do. So being really clear like we spoke about in our first episode of our summer school around our values and our purpose. So having an understanding of what that is can really enable you to have a level of great level of self-awareness. He then moves on to think about then, okay, we I know who I am. I know what my triggers are. But what happens if I just lose it every five minutes when I don't like what I hear? So that bit around self-management is the next quadrant, if you like, that we have to consider. So how are you going to react to things? How are you going to help support or not? Are you going to throw your toys out the pram every time you hear something you don't like? Or are you actually going to, I suppose, apply that growth mindset and learn from that feedback that you're um, that you're hearing or being given? So the way we manage ourselves will have have either a a negative or a positive impact on people. So having that awareness of what triggers you and how you can manage that sort of links into the the next bit, if you like, of his uh, quadrant around the the skills that we've got and the social skills that we have as well that can help us have those good conversations with people. And he talks around that about having the ability to communicate well, to be able to bring a team together, to be able to have the skills to coach or lead or mentor or develop people, to give great feedback and to communicate, as we said, is the fundamental one that we need to do. So he thinks about the skills that we need or the social skills, so the outward approach that we have, which also sort of links into the the other quadrant he has, which is normally the third one, which is around having what we call the social awareness. So what's going on around you? What are you noticing in other people? I always refer to this as having your radar on. So every time it sort of bleeps and goes a bit out of sync, oh, that's something as a bit of a warning sign to go, I wonder what's going on for that person. So you become very aware and uh, in tune and more astute at the way you manage your relationships because you start to recognise, I suppose, when people are outside of their normal, whatever their normal might be. And then to have those social skills to be able to lean in and have a great conversation with somebody. He does talk about the fifth dimension, which is around the spiritual awareness, but which is on another level completely. But for the purpose of what we do, I just love the, you know, the four key areas to consider your self-awareness, your self-management, your social awareness and the social skills that you bring um, to any relationship that you have. And if you're doing it with the right intent, you will always have a positive impact on somebody because of your level of awareness love emotional intelligence. We could speak all summer about it, Lord, but we can't. Oh, Debs. I mean, you describe it so um, beautifully. And, uh, you know, my kind of uh, summary of that might be a little bit less uh, articulate, but it sure uh, has helped me kind of remember it. It's not to be the garlic in a scenario. So that kind of garlic mindset around emotional intelligence is you've eaten a load of garlic and everyone except you 
can detect that. (laughs) So I might have kind of had a conversation with you, Debs, and I've kind of told you straight about how that meeting went. And actually everyone around me is thinking, how out of order was she? You know, she was really blunt in the way that I spoke to you in front of others or whatever. But I think it was fine because I can't smell the garlic. Whereas uh, someone that's eating lots of baked beans, this is very immature, (laughs) is as, as aware of their choices and the impact that's had on the room (laughs) as everyone else is. So there might be times where we haven't been able to manage those triggers, as you've said, and actually we're going to be disruptive or rude, you know, on purpose because we feel all kind of fired up. So, um, yeah, I think that's just, uh, I think that's just so, so such a valuable bit of kit. And you just got me thinking when I was listening to you talking actually about the reason I think why that self-awareness is the first part of this, Debs, is we are the other in every single one of our relationships in our yeah. life. Yeah, we we are in every area. You're right, actually, Law. So if you've got a problem with a load of people that you've worked with over the years, <laughs> you're Oops. the problem. It's probably you. <laughs> and that's when that lack of self-awareness, because they have no idea of the impact that they've had because they're just not reading the room um, because they're just oblivious to it, which um, we've seen that a few times over our career, right, Law? So, and it's always a nice opportunity to share our observations and what we've noticed in that moment that maybe or maybe not they're here. Um, But as we say, feedback is a gift, right? You choose to unwrap it or you don't. But if you don't, you might be getting the same results and wonder why nobody wants to be on your team. So... So thinking about it from there. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay, so let's now have a look at, well, what might that mean practically mm. in, for example, an interaction or a meeting or some piece of communication? Okay, so Debs, I always think it's really inspiring to look at the animal kingdom you love as that, a reference you, Law? point. I love it. I love that because <laughs> us humans can sometimes complicate things. Can't Very we? much. And I think so. it can be really inspiring to look at lessons from nature because nature has this to a T in terms of these effective ways of interacting and effective relationships. So if you have a look in nature, you have a number of different types of relationships. You've got a parasitic relationship. That is where there is one winner and one loser. So a flea, for example, has a parasitic relationship with its host because it irritates that host, but it gets what it needs by with that. So a parasitic relationship in the world of work would be there is someone who is using someone else to get new ideas, for example, and then palming them off as their own (laughs) at a later meeting, looking like they're the one that has kind of got all these amazing ideas. Now, a bit like the flea, short term, that will work, even the winner within that. But there is just this desire of that host to get rid of this parasite. So at some point, Absolutely. That creative spirit that is that someone that either works with you or works alongside you, at some point they're going to get a bit fed up and a bit resentful. So a parasitic relationship might work for one side kind of for a short term, but long term it's not going to be sustainable. One person is going to want to leave that. Then you have the commensalist relationships that happen in nature. And this is the uh, it's where neither side really benefits or neither side is kind of, you know, uh, has any negative as a result of being together. It's mm-hmm. the barnacle on the whale. <laughs> I could just picture that. 
<laughs> so the barnacle on the whale kind of commensalist relationship is where well, we work alongside each other, but oh, there is absolutely no benefit. We are not asking each other to look at ways to innovate or work quickly as a result of finding out what we're up to. We're just working silently in silo. We happen to be employed by the same kind of organisation, but actually a bit like the barnacle on the whale. <laughs> we're just there somehow kind of thrown together, but we're not actually being able to speed up or kind of, you know, make any kind of benefit happen. So the sweet spot that nature shows us is where we have these symbiotic relationships, where there is a symbiosis. I win, you win, and we are better and stronger together. And the classic animal that's kind of used for this is Nemo, so that clownfish, and the sea anemone. Yes. So Nemo is kept safe um, from predators because the sea anemone has like a natural sting. So it keeps other predators away. And uh, the clownfish happens to have um, a kind of a gel around it, which means it doesn't get stung. And then in return, the sea anemone gets all its kind of debris kind of cleared away by the, um, uh, the, the clownfish. So you have this mutually beneficial relationship where both are completely different species, so completely different people working in different departments, but as a result of that working collaboration that is set up, it's like rocket fuel to the productivity of that organisation. So that kind of um, uh, mutualistic, mutually beneficial relationships tend to be based on a mutual respect. I plus, you plus. I'm all right. You're all right. None of us is in hock to the other. Your idea might not work right now, but it's a great idea. Keep them coming. And then you have that kind of collaborative set of relationships. And I think what is so inspiring now, Debs, is to see when teams really get over themselves enough to get into what the team opportunity is, amazing things can happen. I remember being part of a team who were responsible for working at adoption timeframes for children with whom were, um, you know, just floating around in the care system and looking for adoptive homes. And by those teams being able to really collaborate and having a real transformational ways of working, they halved the adoption time, Debs. So rather than it taking nearly two years to get a kid a home, they got it to nearly within, you know, a year. That is a life-changing benefit as a result of those teams really looking at ways to work in a mutual way. So not just palming off one bit of the process onto another and hoping that they can work it out, but actually being able to set each part of that team up for success to just facilitate the overall goal and purpose. So when a team is on it, there's nothing quite like it. You know, us humans are so intelligent and we're so good at working with each other. It's our ability to socialise that has enabled us to do all the things that we've done. But when we don't do it very well, then it grinds things to a halt. It's depressing to be part of and it can actually breed that kind of toxic feeling that means people just want to get out. So yes. don't be the flea. Don't <laughs> be the barnacle. Think Nemo. Be more Nemo. <laughs> be more Nemo. And the kind of the takeaway kind of practical of that is think about some of those interactions you've got coming up. Yes. Whether you're in work, out of work, looking for work, wanting to leave. What are some of the next interactions that are coming up? And rather than just thinking, what do I need to get out of that meeting? Asking that question and what do they need to get out of this meeting can transform the energy right from the start yeah i think you're so right and that leads into i suppose where empathy comes in from an emotional intelligent point of view understand myself and i'll understand you which then leads into trust which is such an important factor in any relationship
So what do I mean by trust law? It is such a huge topic, but it's the foundation for any relationship. If there is no trust, there is no relationship really. It's very rocky. It doesn't work. And when we when we work with people where you can sense there is not a trust, you know, people always say, you know, what comes first, trust or respect? Um, and I would say trust every time for me. Um, and then people say, yeah, but I might respect them, but I don't trust them. I said, well, then you haven't got a good working relationship. So I can understand where people are coming from. But the things we need to consider, I suppose, when we're building trust, we can just as simply break trust by one simple thing. And we know it takes a lot longer to rebuild that trust once the trust has gone. So some of the things, you know, we encourage people to consider is, you know, how do you start to build trust and build it build it well. And I think it starts again, what we're saying about self-awareness, being yourself and just being a decent human being. Um, as you said, not leaving, you know, leaving your ego at the door, not, not leaving it, leaving it at the door and coming in, in that, you know, with that mindset that you want it to work for both parties. So as you were saying, you know, be more Nemo around that can really make a difference. I think also the thing that show when we're building trust is to be able to show up and be really present in what it is you're doing so that, you know, people can see that you are living and breathing who you are. You're not, fake in any way. So that show up and be really present, have the empathy to want to care for other people. So enables you to have that mutually beneficial relationship where you both win, as you were saying. And I think also as you riffing off your theme, as you said, you know, that person that takes the idea for themselves and sells it for somebody, you know, on, on and it's all their idea. Somebody else came up with it. I think that's where I think a good trust builder is to if you like, give give the praise, give the credit to the person that did it. Um, you know, call out if somebody has said, well, actually, you, I might be sharing this idea with you, but where I got that from was whoever. So consciously connecting that person with the person you got the idea from, because it's, you know, I think it's credit where credit's due and that builds trust absolutely 100% all the way. Um, and also I think that making sure that you have got somebody's back, you're not about to just chuck them under the bus when they're not there. Um, and a lot of meetings can go pear-shaped because, you know, there's the side conversation or, you know, people have agreed what they're going to say in a meeting, for instance, and then the person speaks up and then everybody else is silent. And that's not a great place to be. I've seen that happen and it's not happy. But what that has done is broken that person's trust. So when we think about um, maybe not admitting your mistakes, um, blaming other people, not taking accountability for yourself, taking the credit for somebody else's work, um, just not caring. I think they're all things um, that just break trust in a nanosecond and take a very long time to rebuild it. So I think how can we consciously think about building trust for the foundation of every great relationship because we can do it right it's our choice and we have a choice love it debs so as we're there scuba diving as part yes. of our summer school <laughs> six-part series avoiding the whale right? nemo. <laughs> absolutely we've, we've swam past the barnacle and the whale we can see little nemo there in the anemone as we know um action is where it's at yeah so um let's have a think about what might be some call to action to maximize the relationship effectiveness in our professional world So my call to action on this law um, is just notice and care. I think start having the awareness of what you need to notice and care about within yourself. 
but also then notice and care about other people and find out how you can work in harmony together to create a great end result. That would be my call to action. Beautiful. And Deb's well, building on that, I really like what we said earlier on about the relationship radar. So yes. think about who's going to be uh, um, really important and valuable members of your relationship radar um, in the next couple of months ahead. And rather than kind of waiting until that final moment to then suddenly have this high pressure, let's kind of work out how we're going to work together. Connect with them now ahead of time so you're able to really set up well. And it could be just a half hour check in now mm-hmm. just means you absolutely are able to Nemo together. <laughs> Find you see an enemy, you can be their Nemo (laughs) and really ramp up your levels of effectiveness. So to connect now ahead of maybe when there might be a pocket of pressure where you really need to be able to perform together. Oh, I love that. Yeah, definitely be more Nemo. Yeah, love it. So really looking forward to episode three in our summer school Top Up Your Skills Whilst You're Tanning series. So where we've had G for growth mindset, today's one has been R for relationships. The next one is going to be O for optimism. So I'm really looking forward to that one because if there is any one of these six parts that we're going to be the cheery uppy one, it's the optimism one, Deb. So I'm really looking forward to that. Me too, Law. I cannot wait for that one. So yeah, I'm just going to turn over on my sunbed now and crack on. Beautiful. Enjoy those ocean waves. <laughs> Thank you. Have you a great too, week. Lord. Love you. You too. Love you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're a Spotify listener, give us a rating as it makes it easier for us to share the secret with others.